Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Teresa J. Morris. This is our Sunday show, Spiritual Go to Meeting for all you universal life experiencers out there that believe there is such a thing as an essence and an expanse and I guess in divinity, God's source. Some people just say source, some of them say God, some say believe it or not, some say consciousness is the essence of all there is. So while we're out there fishing around trying to figure it all out for ourselves, we're going to figure out who we are and where we're going when we leave the planet. But two women getting together, sharing near-death experiences is what we're going to do today. So let me get my Suzanne Wyman Flynn on here with me. Suzanne Wyman Flynn, hi. Can you hear me hey. now? Hey, TJ. How are you today? Good talking to you. <laughs> Thanks for bringing me on the show. How are you? Oh, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited that we're going to do something that's only today. It's unique. we got two eyes, two ears, one mouth, two two nostrils. So let's see how many to see. Oh, we got the other one that makes it even, I guess, out the other end. (laughs) How many orifices are the oracles having today that makes everybody normal? So, Folks, we've been having some strange times, but I see a lot of people tuning in. Wow, we got a lot of people tuning in from all over the world, but especially New York. So that's amazing. Oh, wow. They love spirituality, and I guess they like us, and they're probably glad to see us. We've been gone a few weeks. I don't know how long have we been gone? A couple of weeks? Oh, we've been gone know, since two or three weeks. Was it July? Maybe five weeks. Wow! Wow! Well, there's been a lot going on, and Folks, be sure and vote. I don't care if you can or not, but uh, a lot of people do. But 
I've always voted, but I don't know if I'm going to. I, 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 politics and religion, I don't know. Spirituality. We're doing our best. I've always voted, but I'm an independent thinker, so I imagine most of the souls out there are independents. But just, you know, think about it if you're in America. If you're not, vote wherever you are, I guess. That's the thing to do, vote. So, Okay, I did my part for saying that. <laughs> so now, near-death experiences. Suzanne, why don't you tell people a little about you so we can get this show on the road, near-death uh-huh. and soul expanse. Well, so basically I think that I was um, – I think that no matter how I would have organized or orchestrated my life, I think I always would have worked as a psychic. Um, I was born into a family that was warm and receptive. My great uncle had been a Rosicrucian astronomer, and um, my grandmother taught me how to read feet. And I saw her using um, a regular deck of cards to read, read people with. And she had her girlfriends that did tea leaf readings. And so I was sort of raised in a atmosphere of thinking that this was sort of a normal and of course it was my normal and I was raised in what was called science of mind which is now called center for spiritual understanding Ernest Holmes teachings and so I think it kind of gave me an interesting advantage you know seeing a lot of books um, on psychic development and so forth so I think that I was just raised in an atmosphere of you know, a lot of psychic awareness. And I couldn't imagine being anything else, but I think sometimes those, the work that I do requires maturity in order for it to be uh, valuable. And I think that that's probably one of, the biggest, um, one of the biggest problems is that people don't really understand that dealing with other people's information really doesn't have anything to do with you you're just the person at the time listening to the story and giving your perspective. So I think that's the thing that I practice today in doing my work. There's no judgment. There's no um, criticism or anything like that. It's just a process of listening to somebody's story and seeing if I can offer empowerment to them in order for them to gain uh, a better understanding of their own lives and make improvements from that point forward. So that's primarily my focus, and I started out by learning how to do past life regressions and what is called prenatal regressions, which are not really as much, not talked about as much as other types of regressions. You go into the time before you're born and you look at what's happening, and I suppose in doing past life regressions and prenatal regressions and even regressing traumatic events with people, the difference is is that I actually see the imagery with them, I get the pictures with them, I get the feeling with them, and I stay with them. And so the regressions move more rapidly, they're more effective, and they create uh, better results. A lot of deep work. Not many people are fearless and brave enough to actually do that sort of work. And so, <clears throat> and then I studied with a man by the name of Alex Lukeman for a year, dream interpretation, what your dreams can teach you. And I teach dream interpretation, but I'm working as a psychic full time and uh, doing private clients. So this is what I've done since, you know, full time professionally since 1982. I love it. 
Wow. All right. Well, I'll give a little background on me. I uh, started doing professional readings, so to speak, in 1978 as an arson fraud investigator. But I didn't really do tarot cards till 1984. I had cards through the 70s, which my children reminded me of. But uh, going into the bookstores back in the day, folks, uh, it was really a unique thing. And uh, they weren't used to. They were old bell, book, and candle or off-the-wall names before, way before we had all the bigger chains that you knew about with Barnes & Noble and books a million, but these were little stores, and they were real off the wall, sort of, if you were lucky, the one, uh, first one that I found was in Houston near Rice University called Aquarian Bookstore, believe it or not, and two ladies that ran it, well, one was the mother of John Gray, who wrote Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, if you guys have heard of that, and I got to meet him coming to the store one day. And I thought, wow, isn't he tiny? Because I'm 5'11", probably had on two-inch heels. And he, I thought John Gray was such a tiny little person. But then I looked at his mother, and she was tiny too. So that was uh, all I remember too much. And he had a great smile, and he was very sweet, of course. So, But the, the ladies that ran that little bookstore are the ones that really turned me on to all their books. And I read everything. And they had me start on one end and read all the way around to the other. And then when I moved from there into other cities, I would, uh, Birmingham, Chattanooga, Rochester, New York, I would go to their stores. And then over where Suzanne lives in California, there was Bodhi Tree. But the bookstores were always the place. And occasionally you would ask to meet a psychic. And my first reading was by a psychic in 1984. So, uh that's when it all started for me was putting together. I mean, I had the tools, but I had been, uh, my first near-death experience was really when uh, the second grade, but I'd been visited by angels, I guess one might say, or I called them another family. And uh, when I fell asleep in a, in a uh, oh, I got lost, so to speak, four or five years old and uh, laid down in a pasture where we used to fly kites, and I remember my mother worried, and she had a baby, a new baby, my sister, so it must have been 54, I think she was born, Brenda was born October 54, so it may have been, it must have been May 55, but uh, anyway, during that time, I went up on an extraterrestrial ship, or what I call this ship, up in the clouds, so not everybody has those, but I did, and I'm still searching for ways to speak about that. And I think that's one of the reasons that I'm meeting people now in radio, and there's plenty of radio shows about ETs, UFOs. But after that, that was uh, sub-55, and then second grade, I had hepatitis. So I got really sick in the second grade, and they had to bring me my, my uh, work at the hospital, but... I really did get so bad that I turned yellow. My body, my liver was leaving and shutting down, and I got so sick I couldn't do anything. Literally, I couldn't feed myself. I couldn't get up. I was just almost dead. And I guess I finally, when they finally got a machine up, it was something new back in 57, 58. It must have been 57. I was in the second grade. I think I started 55 to 56, so... 
I mean, 56 to 57, I think. And that's when they had the new dialysis machine. They brought one up from New Orleans. I was in Monroe, Louisiana. And I guess it saved my life. They purified my blood. But it was so hard on my system at the time. I'm sure they used the big bore needles. But uh, I remember seeing angels or beings that I described to the Catholic Saint was St. Francis Hospital that I saw them on the top of the up over me, and I was out of body, so that was my first out of body experience. So I learned to be in my body, but not, but out of my body, but know that they're this one and the same. So I guess, in a way, I never forgot that because later on I have this psychic ability, and I try that out during high school. Then I die again, fourth, having my fourth daughter. I had four daughters between sixty-seven. In January '74, so uh, the last one I had was teaching twirling, baton twirling to little girls around Houston. Different little. I worked for Houston Parks and Recreation, and I slipped one day on the rain, in the rain, and uh, it was misty rain. I didn't think much of it, just walking in we to uh, teach, but that's because that must have jolted the placenta from my side, so I had a slow leak, like a, a little leak on a tire. But apparently, uh, not too long after that, and I don't remember if it was a day or the next morning, uh, to be honest, but uh, by the time I called my mother, I was so out of it. I was in a euphoric state, and uh, I had lost pretty much all the blood, gone to the bathroom and told Mama, you know, because I was hemorrhaging, and uh, a piece of the placenta had come out of me, so... Uh, she told me, you know, she'd be right over. She only lived about two or three miles away, and she came over, and then we raced me to the hospital. And by the time I got there, and the doctor wasn't there yet, and the nurses prepped me and put a little monitor on the baby. So the baby died first, and then I died. And so, uh, but they took us in. I remember asking the doctor if I was going to die because I first saw the baby's monitor stop in the the little beep, 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 back in the 60s, it was the 68, March 25th, that was Angela. She's alive now, <laughs> but her little heart start. well, this was, no, this was uh, Ginger, the fourth one, excuse me, number four. Her little heart stopped, and it was uh, 74, so uh, that's important, I guess, with my near-death experience. So number four uh, saw her heart stop, so... That's I went in at 60 over 40. So my blood pressure was down 60 over 40. And I remember them telling me to sign something. I couldn't sign it because my hand wouldn't move. So they sort of held the pen, and I scribbled something on there. And uh, they, I remember them. It was cold, and they moved me over. And I remember the anesthesiologist seeing him. And the women at the end, there was at least two nurses and the doctor, and there was somebody to the left of me and the man that was – had met me to sign something, and the anesthesiologists were two different men. But by the time they put me on there and I looked down, I was came up out of my body and watched uh, them cut me open and take the baby, and the doctor say, well, you know, I've got to save the baby. So he cut me open and took the baby, and I watched them take her. And I was overhead, so that was very important to me. And I watched them... Uh, she wouldn't breathe. She was blue and had the cord wrapped around her neck. And they finally got her to breathe and, you know, snuffled her out. And I actually stayed long enough to watch them put the little footprint on a piece of paper. 
and look at the clock and give it a time for when she was born. And that's, you know, I'm sure it's within two or three minutes of when they were actually born. <laughs> but uh, I took off and went out of my body, out of the room, watched. You know, I stayed long enough, but when I looked at the clock, when the lady had just put the little the baby's foot on the paper, and I saw her look at the clock, and when I looked at the clock, I started soaring. So I went through the roof all the way out and uh, went traveling out. And so I uh, kept going and went all the way up to a certain level through the stars. I remember going through the stars and then getting all this knowledge come in that most of us psychics call the Akashic Field. And where all the knowledge we think is kept, maybe we're all just stardust anyway. That's what we say in science now. We're carbon-based units based on stardust. So who knows, right? But I kept going, and I got to almost to where I was at the next destination. It felt like Omniverse or Level 5 Gold with uh, beings, and I heard voices and I said, stop, wait, I want I want to go back. And this feeling of being on like a very fast speed tube escalator, you know, inside something. I don't remember looking down and seeing my body or toes. It felt like I was some type of spiritual angel. I felt like that. That's, but I, I could talk with my my mind. And I said, I want to go back. And then the, the I remember the feeling of the energy slowing down like on a super fast, you know, faster than speed of light type of uh, encasement, but it was like Zoom, and it was uh, like on an escalator, that feeling of uh, that uh, projection, I guess, uh, of moving in that direction. But after I got there, I I was almost to where I was going because I could see a golden light, and I remember saying stop I want to go back and there was just a dead sound nothing for just it felt like centuries and then the voice uh, I heard a voice say uh, oh I said what will happen to my children and this is the part I'll leave out of my story sometime I've never written it but I need to but they said all the children will be your children because that was a very heavy thing to say to somebody but I said, I don't – that might have been after they said, if you go back, because I said, I want to go back. And a voice said, you'll experience more pain than you've ever experienced on earth. And I, I said, I don't care. I want to go back. Because I, I don't remember now which was first, but what would happen to my children. So I remember asking what would happen to my children. And I remember them saying all children would have – to be my children. All children will be your children. And uh, that was how I said, I don't care. I want to go back. They said, you experience more pain than you've ever experienced on earth. But I said, I don't care about that either. So I came back and came soaring back down the same way I came. It was the feeling of going up almost to where the destination was and coming back. So I went all the way up and all the way back down. So after I got back down, I hit down in my body and uh, came back, and my mother was there, and it was very uh, sad and ECU for several weeks. But uh, how about you, Suzanne? That's the story I don't think I ever told exactly. 
going away, but how about how do you feel? Do you remember one of your near deaths? Did you have one or two or more? Um, first of all, um, your fourth daughter, she's alive and well today, or what happened there? No, she's she's the one that has cancer, had cancer and passed away. So she she did pass away uh, from benzene poisoning. She was wow. a beautiful painter, and uh, in 2016, she acquired it by painting and got benzene poisoning from uh, being a painter, and they don't know if it was from the chemicals, but it was called acquired benzene poisoning, and her doctor confirmed that. And his father died of the same thing, acquired benzene poisoning. And it's some chemicals that get in your body and will kill you, and it caused cancer, and it's like leukemia. It's a form of leukemia, but it is acquired. So, But she passed... March, it was, we went 15th, 4 o'clock here in the house, but by the 16th, she was gone. So by that night, March 16th, 28, oh gosh, what is this year? Did she die last year? It was a year this year. Yeah, it was a year, so she died in 2019. So she she got it in 2016. And we, and then I went with her and lived with her in Tampa. We tried to fight it under one of those uh, where you, uh, trials, right to trial, if you know you're dying right. anyway. And right. she had to be approved, and you know we had to go through a lot of red tape. Red tape, and then American Cancer Society helped us, and they uh, it's uh, in Tampa, and uh, it was really the really good people. It was it was hard hard life living. She had to wear a mask all the time, but I'm sure everybody knows what that's like, so I had to wear a mask, and her immune system was terrible, you know, but she went. we went through a lot of trouble with that. But uh, why did you ask about that? Because she passed? Because I want to talk because, about your near-death experience. No, 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 I'll, I'll, wanna, I'll, I'll do, I'll we'll do get it. to that. I just, I, I just find that there's often a story when somebody somebody has a near-death experience with a child and then I always wonder well what happens with the child and so I just find that there's sort of a common thread in there so my near-death experience I had I was seeing a series of doctors and they had not made an accurate diagnosis for a lot of different reasons it was uh 1982, and I had um, two conditions that were, um, one of them they don't really have an answer for. They say some people are born that way. It's a case of paralyzing. And the other uh, situation was um, an inherited condition, Stein-Leventhal's disease, and um, I had an appendicitis. And for whatever reason, um, nobody suspected, because I was 22 years old, that I would have these sort of problems. And uh, later on, I went and got the notes, and the doctors just said that, can, you know, wrote comments like, patient continues to complain. So um, I got a very high fever. I was at home. I got a very high fever. And um, my husband thought that I um, had had stumbled into a past life memory. Now, at the time, I thought that the way that he handled it 
um, he's he's dead at this point. Um, the way that he handled it, I thought at the time was really not the best way possible. But I think now, in having the wisdom and the insight and looking back at it, uh, any other person would have simply thought that I had gone crazy. And uh, the fever brought forward a past life memory of where I had died uh, of cholera, and I had died with a really high fever, and I didn't realize that I had died. I was young, and um, he couldn't he he couldn't get me to come back into my body, and I was outside of my body. He says for two and a half hours plus. So um finally brought me out of that memory and uh, brought me into my body. And um, his opinion was that I should have done a past life regression on it then and there. But I really felt way too sick and I couldn't do it. And I went to bed that night and um, went the next day to the doctor's office. And um, they had no they had no idea that I was quite that sick and uh you know i had surgery and i made a full recovery and you know life marches on but in that situation i was not i was not connected to the body i was not connected to what was going on i was acting out some sort of rote memory i have extremely and i've worked really hard to see if i could get more of that memory back very little memory of that and i think um, if it hadn't been that particular person who recognized that I had, um, for whatever reason, I had touched off a past life memory, I think I really would have died because it just didn't make any sense. Um, I appeared to be healthy. I was young. Uh, it was an unusual condition. And there was no reason for them to suspect that I had any sort of problems. I mean, there really was no reason. So, um, and I don't have any memory of that process. And that memory to me, I think, is sort of, um, I find it kind of interesting because I was so far gone from the body and I was so um, disconnected that, no, I have very little memory of that situation. So, um I don't know. You know, I've had other situations where I was given anesthetic and I saw myself exteriorize from the situation and leave. So those those near-death experiences make sense to me, but this one here seems a little bit different. Doesn't Still to this day, doesn't really make sense to me. There you go. TJ? Okay. So, oh, here I am. I, sorry, I, I put myself on mute. I was, so you had appendicitis, your out-of-body experience. Uh, now, do you classify two separate timings that you're physically stepped out of your body? How do you want to, you know, if you were doing a, uh, what uh, I guess we're going to be doing is helping each other do a timeline, but share us share a book that may be Soul Expanse, I guess, and Near Death by Susan Wyman Flynn and Teresa J. Morris. We'll have to do a a book with our stories. So 
how do you separate that on a timeline? Do you do you use linear time? Because I'd like to get into some in depth studies here of just each other with our own uh, experiences. Right. 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 So um, I think as a child, I had an operation done on me, and I remember taking and um, leaving and being given the choice. You know, being given the choice. On the other side, I was given an operation, I was anesthetized, and I was on the other side. And, and I remember looking down at myself and watching them, and I was given the choice. You know, it was so easy to slip away. You know, as a small child, it's so easy to slip out of your body. And I was given the choice, you know, you can go back, you know, or you can, or you can go. And I don't really know why I chose to stay, but I did. You know, there was something that... You know, I don't remember looking at any of the other people that were in my life or anything else like that, but I chose to stay. And um, at that point in time, I was in first grade, and I believe it was in November of 1966. So, um, and that that was a very simple, very clear experience, very short experience, right? Because I don't have much of a vocabulary to explain it. I just remember... Um, being being up with the ceiling, looking down, and then leaving, and then being met and being told, you know, you you can come or you can go back. And I just remember, you know, the same thing that you say. You don't use your words. You just think your thoughts. And it was like I I said I'll go back. So, um, and that that's you know, think about that experience and. Um, a lot of people have an, uh, an experience like that when they're anesthetized. Um, you're, you're more likely to die from anesthetic than you are from surgery. That's what they say, and every time they know that they tell you, you know, there's no guarantees. But I've been anesth- uh, under under the knife and under anesthetic many, many times in my life. I've had a very interesting life. Uh, but the sickest I've ever been is really when I remember thinking back in my brain, literally having the knowledge to swim around in my own brain, and I couldn't mm-hmm. get out. And I, it took me to be now or older, and uh, in my when I finally talked to a speech pathologist when I broke my neck and back after a, a truck accident. Uh, that he talked to me about, I, ha- I finally asked what did he think it was. And he said, that's impossible. Uh, and he said, that sounds like you were sunk back in your own mind. I said, that's what I thought because it it looked like a fleshy. I said, I was caught in a maze. It was like a maze of the mind. And it looked from the inside like I was caught. And I just, and no matter which way I went, I couldn't get out. And I was unconscious, but I could had a sight inside the body. He had never heard of that, but he was the only doctor that I guess I'd ever really talked to. And I don't remember ever telling anyone about it. So, you know, a lot of us are like that. We won't share to find out. You, you won't ask the questions to get the answers or at least get some feedback, right? Well, yeah. I mean, people do look at you like you're crazy or you made it up or you exaggerated it. So, um, And then I read one time that a sign of maturity is, is that you can listen to somebody else talk about their operations without discussing your operations. 
And so I I I've uh, I learned to I learned to button my lip fairly early. So, um, but it it is um, my memories uh, that I've worked harder to recover um, have been centered in what happened to me while I was anesthetized, because I think that that's where people you know they have memories. They think they have memories, but they really aren't memories. They're anesthetic memories. So that that I think is a different type of work, and it's well worth the effort to to work on recovering those memories and seeing it accurately, not like your mind has told you you remember it. So it's complicated. It's quite complicated. TJ, great story, really great story. Thanks for sharing your story about well, you, you and your daughter. Oh wow! Is it only oh. one time though? I'm I'm still trying to get. Have you un- have you been in surgery or only once ever? Because my daughter said she'd never been put under even. She just used Twilight recently, and uh, that shocked mm. me, even though she's my daughter. Because my life was so full of being in the hospital and in, in surgery. So you only yeah, had the I, one appendicitis? No, no, no. I, I, I've had several surgeries, and... Um, it's a complicated process, I think, to get back those memories accurately with what happens with the anesthetic. Uh had difficulties with my health as a child, and, um, you know, the the appendicitis was kind of, a, kind of an interesting thing because I had two ovary conditions that they just, I don't know, they just never found them. And then I went, they sent me to a specialist, uh, uh, lab for a scan and then that's when they found the problem so up until that point they just were of the opinion that I was I was complaining about nothing so it was kind of a difficult situation so it took a while to get it diagnosed accurately and I had been in the hospital and the girls were talking about their weekend and they didn't do a good job on my uh, you know they they did a pelvic sonogram and they didn't do a good job because they were too busy visiting. Oh. <laughs> but you finally um, had children, I take it. I had had I had had one child at that one at that point, and then I had one child after that. Yes, so it didn't uh, it didn't uh, impact my fertility. No, it did not. Wow. But uh, is was there anything else wrong physically? Because I had. I remember the first time I went under anesthesia, I had uh, my tonsils out. Did you have your tonsils right. out? I had, my, I had my tonsils and adenoids put out, and then they, um, it was an early procedure when I had it done in 1964. They put tubes in my ears. It was still, it was still a relatively new procedure in California. So I had tubes so in my ears. So we both had that done. Yep. Tonsils yeah, my daughter adenoids. had tubes in her ears. Uh-huh. 69, I guess, but that's uh, I was the mother by that time. I was a young mother, and you had yours in 64. She was, right. she was born in March 68. Huh. So, but I'm almost 10 years older than you because I'll be 69 December 26. Huh. And you just turned 60, didn't you? Right. Yeah, we're just we're almost exactly to the day nine years apart. Nine years. That's and that's yeah, almost a decade. And that's. My daughter didn't realize what a big, you know, she was like, like so, Angela's just only 10 years younger than you. And then <laughs> she was like, I know, but that's a decade, honey. Think about it. And I was, when I was in my 40s, 
I was prime, and now I'm in 60. I'm going to be 69. But 10 years makes a big difference. It may not between 20 and 30, but it sure does 60 to 70, let me tell you. Yeah, 60 to 70, same thing. So, I, yeah, so, but um, how, did you did you make a recovery? I mean, did you make a recovery after your fourth child was born? Did you recover? Well, it took a long time. Uh I have a huge life. Yeah, I got better like Superwoman. My kids never knew anything was ever wrong with me. I've been close to death so many times in this reality that this got to be for a reason. So that's why I don't mind sharing radio now. But it is a little embarrassing, and I know it is for you too. But, you know, I think that there's a calling for people that have had the experiences we've had and, you know, I've been doing radio eight years now. We had a lot of people tune in, but they wanted readings. Of course, they left the board once they realized I was going to tell my story. So, you know, a lot of yeah, a lot of people, so I'll put us, move just from spirituality to entertainment. That's what I did. I, I flipped okay. us over to entertainment for, you know, those that want to, you know, stories like this, they may use them in entertainment or whatever, but it's open source, folks. But, you know, I'm I'm just looking to help those that need help, and some people may under, want to know about their expansion of the soul and NDE, and it's, you know, doing radio is what I do now because I, I can do the, I guess we're all going to MP4s, but right now we're still working with MP3s and live. You know, these are podcasts, and it seems to be a way to get your name and your voice out there and your story. And Suzanne and I are both finding each other and learning how to help each other be older women, but at the same time come together and help those that want life coaching and help in the, I guess, in the with precognition or help with the future and how we come together as oracles and psychics and you know I've trained a lot she has too and what we did to study was basically read a lot of books and get a lot of teachers along the way a lot of mentors and listen to a lot of films and I paid a lot of money to seminars and help help self-help motivation I'm sure you did too so there's just uh, by the time you get to our age then you can just sit on what you know or do deep learning uh now in AI and cyberspace and the transference transference learning and uh hopefully have people that are receptive to accepting what we've got to share with each other and those abroad and wherever you are out there in space, and there's a lot of deep subjects we can continue metaphysically and scientifically and consciously, but uh, I've got soul expanse. How do you think, Suzanne, you know, let's let's sort of combine and look at each other, what we have in common is to we've both been out of body, so apparently there's something – we were both born in America, and uh, you'd be my younger sister by nine years, we'll say. And uh, yet, you know, I have sisters, and all of them are within that nine years. One was born in '54, one '63, and I think, and one in '67, November '67. Uh, was that when I was married and she was already born? She must have been born in 66 because I think she was at my wedding, so 66. So it's funny. I, 
or was it? Yeah, she was already born when I yeah when I got married. So Tish must have been born in '66. I've got three daughters. I mean, three sisters. But uh, how we're siblings is important, and I know when you're born and then you live and you die, and your soul expands. It, it's got to be that life is about more than just existing in this reality. It's and we were talking today about dimensions, and I thought sharing the expansion of our consciousness and what we call our essence, our soul. It's a pretty deep subject you don't have with just everybody. But Suzanne and I have never really had a deep talk, and I thought we'd invite all you listeners out there to uh, get to know us a little better. And we hopefully in 2021 may get out there and have a meeting and uh, I hope she and I write a book on our intuitive side but also how the uh, experiences and the way that we deal with our own souls helps others so Suzanne you have a very in-depth and you call yourself a deep psychic so you've got key words you use you want to use that with the soul expanse tonight in your deep you know I've got soul expansion consciousness i've got two women share their own near-death experiences and soul expansion consciousness right right you know it's such an interesting it's such an interesting experience because um as a child um i must have felt extremely lonely uh they say that your cosmic mother comes to you um, and in a lot of ways, I think I was really very lonely as a child. But I just remember getting very comfortable with the process of being alone. So um, I was deaf, and nobody nobody figured it out for a while, so it wasn't until I was four that they went to work on restoring my hearing. So my early my early memories are in silence, which I really didn't think about too much. And then I did uh, John Astroff's uh, NeuroGym work, and I retrieved a fair amount of memories that I hadn't had before um, based on the fact of not hearing in my early life. So, um, And then I was sick quite a bit, and I'm sure it was difficult for my mother. And uh, But I, it was silence. It was absolute silence. And so I do remember spending a lot of time alone and being very content with being alone for long periods of time very early in my life. So that part is kind of interesting. Um, my older brother and my older sister were very good friends, and they were very close with one another. And I don't think that they were ever really too happy about having a younger sibling. So um, I just sort of, um, you know what children are like. They just accept those circumstances, and I sort of went into my own world. Today, I guess they would say that there was something sort of wrong with me. But, um, you know, at the time it was just a different world, and those things weren't so accurately diagnosed. And then, of course, they worked on restoring my hearing. And for the most part, um, there is no problem in my life with hearing or anything like that. I managed just fine. So... um, but I think I had a lot of spiritual experiences as a young child, um, and that was kind of interesting when I looked back at those memories, having memory of what it was like when my mother was waiting to give birth to me, um, the awareness that I started dreaming at that point in time, and the memory of those dreams, <clears throat> and also 
the awareness that I was a soul, an eternal soul, and that I had chosen to be reborn. Those were some of the early experiences I remember as being a child waiting in utero, and I spent a lot of time doing regression work on that. But, yeah, my early childhood, I think I was very content with the spirit world and the dream world, and that was a source of... um, that was the source of my relationships. So I, I don't think it necessarily made me an um, interesting person as a young child, but at this point in time in my life, it has served me really well. Well, I didn't have the upbringing you did. I was a sick child, and so out of body, I spent a lot of time in my own mind and deep and knowing that I felt trapped but at the same time, I was so relieved to be conscious and to have this, you know, be aware of being in the body. But I also know the feeling of being above myself. And I don't consider that much different than being in the body, but the feeling feels different because the sight. And you and I were talking about azimuthal equilateral distance and also, you had the uh, quantum, azimuthal quantum today, but that sight, and I believe that what we're going to get into in this new world that we're all creating together uh, with the way that we are doing AI now and the deep learning for AI is not just about how we learn, but we've got to be careful of, we always said when we were creating computers in my reality Trash in, trash out, right? Right. So whatever you put in and you take out. So we were talking with Janet Lesson and Laurie O'Hara. Was it Lisa? Lisa, wasn't it? Lisa O'Hara. Lisa O'Hara. And I thought that was a good show, but uh, uh, I'll go back and grab that show uh, and put it on here for uh, last last night, folks, for you to find it. But it was quite interesting, uh, even though we had a little difficulty in the middle for a while with me and Skype. But uh, people use unique ways of speaking their reality and how they are looking for the parts maybe of themselves, and each of us are unique in a body, but It's not just what is unique about us, and it's also what is the same, and there's still that that which is different. There's something unique about us, and I've learned uh, spiritually on Sundays, I like to do spiritual shows, and we deal with body, mind, and spirit. Those are the three that, you know, we've always brought up with whole health and in these old occult metaphysical bookstores is how do we deal with our minds, our consciousness, and our soul, and are they different like free will? Do we have a destiny, fate, karma, and all these, This could we could go on for hours on each word and make a show, which we may do that, or have a panel for people that want to discuss with Suzanne and I uh, different topics. They may be specialist or PhDs in certain psychology or philosophy. I don't know, (laughs) Suzanne. But Suzanne and I will do our best to help you guys. We're both doing readings 
And we're creating a new domain just for our friends and see what we can create for the future with our experiences and our soul expansions. Expansions, that sounds funny, soul expansions and consciousness. So, Suzanne, you you talk a lot and you help a lot of people every day. So you're a really, uh, I've done that for off and on as a psychic reader in person, which is where we, I guess you and I both got started. And then in the 80s, in the 90s, I did bookstore readings because they used to have psychics. And then you worked 16, almost 20 years, didn't you, at Tango or whatever, booking psychics yeah. plus how long were you there doing that in California? So I, I think I did the same. I think the same thing that you're talking about. You you train. You know, my first deck was the Marseille Tarot deck, um, and you do the training and you do the education, and then you find people that want to do readings. First, it's your your friends and your family members and their friends and family members, and then you. And then slowly but surely somebody offers to start paying you. Um, and so it sort of builds from that. So, And I became active yeah. in a unit. Yeah, that's what I mean. And then everybody everybody who works as a psychic goes through a chapter where they do the psychic fairs. Um, I don't know if they do them anymore, but, you know, it's a, it's usually a, a nice... We a do nice here. Store. <laughs> We do them here in conventions, but yeah, we started the bookstores and then and yeah, even here I was working at the bookstore and she asked me to come to her event and convention. She has two a year, so uh, but with the COVID nineteen and twenty twenty, we canceled both of them, right? So we still have psychic fairs, yeah, whole body life, right? And so. and then I did, you know, Whole Life Expo, you know. I started in San Francisco, 1990, Whole Life Expo, and uh, did a series of radio shows and and then went back and did another Whole Life Expo. But anyway, the Whole Life Expo was great. Um, you know, you rent a booth, you set up your, your little shop, and just did that little convention uh, thing for a couple of years. I probably did it for a little bit more than two years, and then uh, and then it was strictly um, private clients and telephone work. And and then in 1998, I went to work in a restaurant, and it was the first time I had ever I'd worked Christmas parties and corporate parties, but I had never worked in public, you know, five to seven days a week. And that's what I was doing when I started there. And it was a great situation because <clears throat> there's new people every night, and um, I would ask somebody to introduce me to a table or I would introduce myself to a table, and people would get readings. And there wasn't a lot of pressure for the people to pay a lot of money because, they were having dinner and they were um, hanging out, and it wasn't—I wasn't the only entertainment. There were dancers and musicians and artists, and so I had a couple of friends that worked with me, and that's what I did. And I, that situation started in December of uh, December 10th of 1998, and it ended on uh, February 28th, 2019. 
That's a long so, time to be a psychic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it really, it, it is. And then the um, then in that period of time, I got a request from another location for um, me to open up a location for psychics, and I thought that I was going to be working Cafe Tutu Tango Universal City Walk, and that project... Um, I, by the time I got all the psychics organized and got the whole thing set up, I had lost one of my psychics at the Orange location, and there was no way I could do Universal, and it was too much of a drive. So I simply stayed. I worked a little. I got the psychic set up there and uh, worked with the general manager, got the thing set up, but it just never worked out, and so I ended up staying at the Orange location. And then I went to work in another um, place, the BOA, which was inside of a hotel on Sunset Boulevard called the um, Grafton on Sunset, right at the intersection of uh, La Cienega and Sunset. And I worked there for five and a half years. And on Wednesday night, they um, had a little room, and that was the room that I sat in, and I did readings. And it was really, It was really quite nice. It was really a beautiful little tiny boutique hotel and it was a great owner and um it was it was really a great situation so so i spent the period of 98 to 2019 basically working in public you know working events working parties uh working restaurants and i think it's i think it's such an important part for anybody who's who wants to be a psychic to learn how to work in public, I think it's such an important piece of training. I really recommend it. First of all, um, you're going to encounter a lot of people, and it's just a by the numbers. You're going to encounter. You're just going to encounter a really great cross section of people. Uh, you learn a lot about social graces, how to get along with people even if things are difficult, and always how to give a very positive reading. So those are the things that I think um, are sort of like the more refined process. And, of course, the benefit is is that, you know, if you do a good reading for somebody, they remember you, they come back to the restaurant, they, they book a private reading for you, you know, with you. It's, it's different. It creates a different world for you. It gives you a really large cross-section of people to work from. Well, there's all types of psychics out there, and we know a lot of them, and uh, you've seen some on TV, and then there's people in uh, a few groups like James Van Prague and his little group, and he trains people, Mm -hmm. and he came down here for one of the conventions, and they made Ghost Whisperer, I think, uh, he's produced, at least been in charge of a lot of the shows or directing or producing and uh, then there was John Edwards. He's very famous. And then I think he got disgruntled for a while, but he came back around, I believe. He's back on again. And So uh, Yuri Geller was well-known for ESP, that type of work, and with the government and helping train people into remote viewing. And there's all types of topics that we could help people understand. And we were looking at a glossary, and we could help people with our little psychic network club. And I had this psychic network in Hawaii from 89 to 94 when I moved back, so five years roughly. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I did a lot of readings then, had spiritual uh 
network too and then i had uh i was re- i was actually doing radio shows too and talking about the the experience i had earlier they wanted to know about my near death experience so how that worked and uh so you know I, I may not have written just a book but i was uh scared to write a book about it back in the day with my children and my grandmother told me I should, our great-grandmother. Uh, well, it's actually my husband's great-grandmother. But I finally got around to writing books, but not about my near-death experience. And that's, a, I guess, in a way, that could be a spiritual book, Soul Expanse. I don't know. Psychic Networks, Soul Expanse, Near-Death Experience, Accepting Life, Not Always What You're Taught and Think. But, you know, what are we going to do with this universal life spiritual communication but at the same time i really don't want it to be a philosophy or religion but they always seem to want to go that way but metaphysics is metaphysics science is science but how do you see some key tag words because i put on the tumblr you know psychic and ascension psychic and you use power psychic or best psychic but you know people a lot of them Unless you put the word psychic, they really don't know. And they're saying that counseling is so expensive, uh, you know, all over 300 or more an hour, that, you know, you can maybe get psychics to go for 150 an hour these days. But, you know, I don't know. I don't know what's going on, but I know that it's getting to be where more and more people would like to have support. So uh, whether you want to call it counseling or not. Let me see who this is. Hold on. Let me see who this. Hi, uh, did you just you want to talk, or did you just call in to listen? Or is this hello? You just listening? Huh? What's the phone number there? Okay, it's just somebody listening, I guess. I can hear the so, TV in the background. Ah, so one of the um, so, ARE, which is Edgar Casey's mm-hmm. Institute in Virginia Beach, they they teach lucid dreaming and they found that people that had had a near-death experience were seven times more likely to do lucid dreaming than people that hadn't and that was their finding it's not my finding it's not my um, article nothing this is edgar casey's institute the are and they have a lot of classes they have a um, they're very ethical they're very honest they have a great teaching model and um, I really have enjoyed studying their material and taking their classes. So I think one of the one of the things that people, when I talk to people, they're always very surprised to find out that I spent a lot of time in classes and seminars and learning and being taught. They simply think that a psychic is born that way and you can't learn it. Either you're psychic or you're not. But there is really a lot of material that can be learned. It just depends on whether or not you're disciplined, you're motivated, and you're interested in it. So um, I think one of the points that you're making is is that people want the information, and I think they need to have a better idea of how to talk about it. So Harvard offers an online class in learning how to read you know, tarot cards. So a lot of the things that you and I studied, educated, and trained through, which were not mainstream and were not generally accepted, certainly not by, you know, a well-recognized university like Harvard, um, 
a lot of those things, a lot of those barriers are gone today. A lot of those taboos are gone. There, I'm not saying there isn't still some taboos of people that are um, don't really understand what it means to be a psychic, but it's it's a different world today, and there is a real need for people to become educated. My primary interest is in educating people and to teach them how to learn to do their own dream interpretation because I think that that's probably the most easily accessible um, method to learn about your own spiritual development. Your dream, in your dream, you are everything in the dream. Everything in the dream is your mind telling you a story about a conflict that's going on in your life uh, so that you can understand that your dream state believes that it is telling you something in the most simple way. But people people get confused about it because the vibrance of the dream, you know, whether it's an epic dream or um, it's a lucid dream uh, or anything. And they get confused and they think it has meanings that it doesn't have. So I always have to tell people, I always have to take them back to the point and tell them, you know, your dream is about you. It's it's you know, it's only you who's having the dream state. And at one point I did take on the um obligation to be the group dream keeper and that's kind of an interesting obligation because in uh indigenous societies there's always an individual who agrees to do that. And really what it means is is that if something comes up, you know, I'll call somebody up and I'll say, you know, um, I had a dream last night and it told me that there's somebody in your mother's life who's trying to get in touch with her. And the mother might at this point in time be in a nursing home or in assisted care. And the person who's caring for her doesn't realize that there's somebody from their mother's life that still would like to be in touch with them. And so it's kind of an interesting obligation to take on. I I have set it aside temporarily, and I'm trying to make a decision about going forward with it again, but it it does take a lot of energy. So I believe dreams are the most important vehicle that we have today in order to access Um, our unconscious state and to understand our own spiritual development and how the world would validate us. TJ, are you there? Oh, there you are. Yeah, I was taking myself off mute and just helping to save the uh, fan in the back. I don't know if it bothers people or they can hear it. No, 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 no. Okay, it's okay. Okay, good, good. Great, okay. Well, I know you've helped me on my timeline, and uh, people usually at 50 start thinking about their legacy and writing a book. At least that's if all you kids out there under 50 thinking about it, believe me, when you get 50, it's something in our life. We have various decades, I guess. We should talk about that for everybody. And thought transferences and how you share your learning with others and why we even care, because in humans, uh, it's human nature to want to help, even animals. You'll see animals in the wild, and we learn from them, and we learn how to survive. So there's something to our human species out there that wants to help each other, and we care about each other, even during these pandemics and these terrible hurricanes that we've had. And I'm right here in the panhandle, and 
it's scary, but I lived in Houston, so I got used to, you know, boarding up windows and things when they'd come through Galveston. But nothing like my brother lost his house and flooded completely out. And, you know, I'm just so glad my parents had passed before we had that, the really bad ones. So uh, here we just had, you know, Marco and Laura, and uh, things happen that we can't control. But Suzanne and I are here, and we hope you get to know us, Suzanne and Teresa. It was uh, Janet and Teresa, and Janet is uh, moving on and doing her own radio shows on her own blog talk, uh, Query and Radio, and that's fine. And I've got TJ Marcy T Radio, and Suzanne may have her own again sometime, but right now we're using time that I'm not even using, so that just sort of helps resources for everybody. So if you're interested, we're going to set up domains. We've got ACORadio.club if you're interested in doing a show with us. Go look at ACORadio.club. ACO is for American Communications Online, ACORadio.club. And we're asking her husband to help support us on that one and help keep that up. Uh, And we'll do more Saturdays for Ace Folk Life for people that would like to just have a few minutes recorded just to tell a story on Saturdays. And then Suzanne and I would like to bring on more people such as ourselves in a community we're going to build psychically and with others that are readers or intuitives or friends of ours on LinkedIn and Facebook, social media. And uh, maybe all of us talk about different topics that we're involved in or may be interested in, whether it's lucid dreaming or other dimensions, near death, uh, out of body. Uh, I know Janet really likes to talk about UFO secret space and UFOs, and I haven't given up on that. It's just uh, hasn't been high priority for me lately, but I still have UAP Associates and UFO Association. So I may go back to doing that on uh, Wednesday nights, I guess, if Suzanne and I haven't booked something. uh, And hopefully we'll come back on Thursdays and do our psychic readings. Uh, I know a lot of people missed us tonight, and they were popular. We had plenty of them here, Suzanne, but uh, I wanted to do something different on Sunday. Well, I I just changed it to entertainment. Uh, since okay. I didn't really feel like doing readings tonight. Uh, but I'll just have to remember to watch because if they're used to showing up, they they come and go, you know, they come and listen and pop up. We still have a listener or two, but, you know, that you can mm-hmm. see, then there's plenty out there that you can't see, you know, on the board, so uh, the Blog right. Talk radio board. But uh, I believe that people like us that are different, they want to know why we're different and why we feel like we're different and how does that make our bodies and our communication different but how can they be a part of that you know with lucid dreaming and precognitions phase spacing and you and I were getting into a really different part because there's the inside your body watching through your eyes and we were talking about how that space can move around and then there's the witness and witnessing your own life, that's especially when you step outside of your body or look. If you have, 
you, you can be uh, like in Ghost. Uh, you can literally die in the movie Ghost, or you can be jolted out of your body. And some people go and try to get into their own selves or go on their own spiritual journeys. On I don't recommend it, but some use really strong, powerful. Uh, I guess herbs would be a nice way to say it, because uh, not all of them have you step out of your body. But uh, did you ask your husband to call in tonight? No, I, I I didn't. You and I sort of got on. We kind of ended up taking care of stuff for a little while, and then I just got on. I actually didn't let anybody know. I'm just uh, in the back room of my house overlooking the sunset here in Dana Point, California, where the weather is perfect. And, uh, no, I just sort of slipped on to the show real quick while everybody was doing what they were doing in the house. So they don't – they actually don't know. They just think I'm on the phone at this point. So, um, but they don't know. They don't know, yeah. They don't know. So, TJ, I've got a a question for you. you know, it is such an interesting um, remark for you to say that we are different. And I don't mean to be different, like I'm separate from you. But um, I ask people that. I'll be out with somebody and I'll say, oh, oh, look, can, can, can't you see that, that marking on that person? That's a marking from a past life memory. Or, oh, can't you see that person is quite sick? You know, and I'll ask them that, and they'll say, "No, I can't see that." So there is something that happens, and they used to explain it as the veil, the separation between, um, you know, this world and the other world was quite thin for some people, and I don't know. That's just one explanation, but um, I'd like to believe that I can encourage people, empower them, support them, and I think that's what you do in your conversation with people. But it's up to you. Um, TJ, if you want to let people come on and ask a question, that's fine. I'll do short readings for them. I just won't do long readings like you do. I'm happy to do a few short readings with people if there's some people you'd like to um, have on. Well, also we're healers, and I'd like to talk about that because being a witness to one's own life and, and the meaning and the purpose you know if we're connected with others and let them uh, share a question or something they're so used to that but we're under entertainment tonight but i could i could ask somebody because maybe they're different too but you know i can see usually most people empathic if you just open your eyes and if you're a people watcher you can see their auras some people can <laughs> Some right. can see, I used to get to see auras a lot better, and then some can see their motions, and most people will wear their feelings out on their sleeve. You can usually yeah. tell from the basics of just watching their movement and their stroll and their health from if they're happy, energetic, how much energy they have, or if they're down. And So a lot of those things we all learn, and then we're just going to take it to the next level in metaphysics, uh, but I could ask, uh, I've got a couple of people, let me see, uh, there's a New York person here, uh, hi, uh, 914-522, did you want to add something to tonight's show? Um, I was uh, just listening, okay. um, I, I called into your show um, once before and you gave me 
the both of you fantastic readings. So I saw you were on and just wanted to, was curious to see what you're speaking about. Okay. (laughs) Thank you so much. Very kind phrase. Thank you. What's your first name? Catherine. Okay. Yes. What was it? Catherine. Catherine. Oh, Catherine. No. What is it? Catherine. It is Catherine. Yeah, that's Catherine. odd. I don't remember that name, Catherine. I remember the voice, but not the name. But that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for dropping in and giving us the compliment. Yeah. Yeah, I appreciate you calling in. How is your life going for you? Pretty good. Um, I um, am wrapping up one project, and I'll, I'll see about making that longer, perhaps extending it. Um, I I worked with some pleasant people, and another project um, might be ending. It seems maybe because of the virus, um, but I'll I'll see if we can possibly do it again next year. Okay. Is that with you dealing uh, with other people because you're having to work at home now? Is that it because of COVID nineteen, or you can go in? Because you're in a New York area, aren't you? Yes, yes. One project I can do from home, the other one I couldn't. We were trying and trying, and it, it just it doesn't seem to be um, gelling together. Um, so I'll help. Wow. Yeah. Do you have a dream? Do you have a dream you'd like to have interpreted? Oh, wow. Um. Hmm. I've had oh, I have this reoccurring dream. Oh, I uh, love reoccurring dreams. It's, and this one is, is like it's it's really I don't know. Um, I'll be walking around a place that I could only describe as um, you know how in Europe they have like those beautiful antique statues and fountains everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, just it'll be just like that. And sometimes I have to swim to it, um, or sometimes there's just, like, a pool area to it. And I I honestly, I don't know, um, I honestly think I'm visiting heaven because there is such a profound sense of love, like, I've never experienced before. Mm-hmm. Um, and just, like, like a, almost like it's almost too much to bear um, and then I wake up and okay. sometimes I'll, mm-hmm. so tell me as best as you can remember the first part of the dream the first part of the dream in this reoccurring dream I'll be seeing these lovely statues sometimes it'll be um, a statue of Jesus sometimes it'll be a statue of the Madonna Sometimes it'll be a big fountain, and I, I'm just in awe of um, how um, ornate they are, how delicate um, and okay. vivid the design is. Yeah. Okay. So your your dream state is giving you a message, because remember, everything in the dream is you, and the uh-huh. dream state is giving you the information and telling you 
that if you could simply move through some of your own emotions, you could actually live at a vibratory level of a higher spiritual, um, what would we call that, a higher spiritual essence, and that you could actually experience spiritual your life. You would be the person who would be giving spiritual love and receiving spiritual love, but the thing that holds you uh, holds you in place and prevents you from being able to have that sort of an experience is um, some of your own complex emotions. Wow. <laughs> wow. So that's what the dreams are telling you. Were you raised? Were you raised in a particularly uh, formal or structured religious process? Catholic, yes. Um, yes. I love the saints. I love the saints. Um, so yeah, that's what your <clears throat> that's what your story is talking about. Is that at some level or another, you don't have the emotional understanding of what is the spiritual. Um, spiritual training that you actually have inside of yourself, and it's sort of like mm. there's some sort of a disconnect through your own um, through your own emotions. But it's interesting to have um, a conversation with somebody about this because reoccurring dreams are usually second chakra issues, which are um, the ability to eliminate what's unnecessary in our life, and uh, second chakra pairs up with throat chakra and throat chakra talks about um, your ability to speak up for yourself. So I think one of your difficulties is is that you don't really trust people to be there for you and that you don't um, and that you have trouble speaking up for yourself at times. Yeah. 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 <laughs> I have to say I agree with you. <laughs> oh, thank you for joining us. It was a great, it was a great dream and a very open conversation. Thank you very much, Thank you. Catherine. You're the one with the talents. Uh, I keep seeing you with your. You want to do some something? Is it your dancing or your what part of the music in your legs? What is that? That is I something do. that. Yes, I do dance. Yeah. What is that? That. Uh, is it because you're trying to do ballet or Broadway or what? What is that where you are? I mean, it's not like you want to go to Vegas, but what is the dancing part? Is it is it because you're not with a company or you need to be with a company or you're doing jazz ballet? What what is that? I I love to be with a company. I do um, films and I'll put my dancing in the film sometimes, but I love to be on Broadway or um any anything like that, any um kind of creative outlet that would let me dance. Um I'd I'd love. Yeah. Weren't you making some TikToks but they were too long or something? No. Are you were were they weren't the two or three, they weren't back down to one minute, but have you thought about it? Because uh, that's important that you build your following. Yeah. While you've got this time at home, and you're, you have you thought about putting it out there? Because 
you know, that's a big part of being who we are now is in uh, AI and the whole new future is going into cyberspace. Your yeah. your new virtual reality is who we're all becoming is that other personality. I guess that's what this show, The Soul Expanse, Expanse, expense too, <laughs> at the expense of our souls, <laughs> uh, yeah. going from, you know, not going to church on Sundays, but going into soul expanse is sharing our audio and video. So you have the equipment, you have a cell, you obviously you're talking to us, so you, you have a smartphone, right? Yeah, yeah. No, you're right. You're right. I should do more of that. You're right. Yeah, I'm not the best at self-promotion right now. <laughs> I know. Yeah. Well, yeah. you do you do have skills, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, I think it's I think it's the connection between your second chakra and your throat chakra learning to speak up for yourself. And that's what the uh, dream is telling you about is that your emotions, your emotions prevent you from receiving that type of love that you want. Because um, it's hard for you to trust people and to trust yourself to speak up for yourself or speak up for others. So once you decide that you're going to go to work on that, and I think the easiest way is to ask, what is it that I need to let go of or eliminate from my life in order to be more self-assured, more content? And then you can go to work on reaching your full potential as a great dancer. Dancers have kind of some interesting, um, interesting responsibilities to themselves because I mean, you can't dance forever. I mean, Martha Graham was an exception. So, you know, you do have to do it while you're young. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, that it's all clicking together, everything that both of you ladies are saying. Oh, thank you. Well, if we recognize it, obviously the universe does because we've never seen you. (laughs) And we may have... Heard your voice, <laughs> but, but you know that's part of our job here is to help people in the universe. So, just work on that energy of getting your energy up, and make sure that uh, everyone needs a web presence now. So we all have a Google page, right? A Google business. We all have a Microsoft. We all have a YouTube, and it's good to have a LinkedIn. And I even have an alignable because I have a little business for communicating because this, this lifetime I'm, I need to work on my communications. So I'm doing that. And uh, But it sounds like uh, you just need some support. So I'm so glad you tuned in. So you feel some comfort from us older ladies. <laughs> <laughs> Your wisdom and your kindness is beyond words, both of you. Oh, yeah. thank you, Catherine. Call in again yeah. and let oh. us know how it goes, okay? I definitely will. I definitely will. Okay. Well, stay with our little club. Mm-hmm. I I will. Would you mind? My mom is with me. Would Would you mind speaking with her a moment? If she could say hello. Um, sure. Yeah. Okay, sure. yeah. Yeah, we've only got a couple of... 530 number, a 530 number, but go ahead, Mom. Hi, how This is you? the young girl. Hi, are you from New York, too? Of course. I'm in Italian. Okay. 
Okay, what's your name? What's Maria. your name? Maria. 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 Oh, yes. and you, are you from the old country? Yes. Where? What parts? Yeah, we love Italy. Oh, really? Palermo? Yeah. Wow. Wow. Okay. And that's your so, daughter we were speaking with? Yes. Yeah. That's her daughter, the old one. Just one so daughter, got. Do you want me to uh, go first, yeah. TJ? Yeah. Okay. yeah, go ahead, because I don't even have my cards out. But, yes, yeah, so what do you hear from Maria? So, Maria, I think the thing that you have that is the most important is, is that you have the most generous heart. You never think of yourself. You always think of how to give, how to take care of other people. And now, now you have to take and um, find a place that really honors how generous you really are because you're generous, you're kind, uh, you feel very fortunate, you're very content with the smallest amount of things. And the interesting thing is is that I think that you are somebody who has had to overcome so much in your life in order to see if you could provide your daughter with a better life. So really your life is about giving your daughter a better life. You've done it. You've been the best mother. You've been been the best mother possible to your daughter, and you've given her a better life. So, I wanted to get a, I wanted to get a nice a nice fiance. Uh huh. That's the one. You want her to get what? A boyfriend. Nice boyfriend. Oh yes. Don't worry. Your daughter will marry, and she'll have happiness in marriage and have a family and have children. No problem there. No problem there. But first nice she has to be the one. What's that? Nice to be guy. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I believe in God, too. Yes, I do. Yes, very good. Okay. Uh, TJ, you have anything for her, or you just... Uh, Okay. No, Maria. Maria, you keep you cook good for your daughter. Just you gotta uh, be known for that, right? That's what people love you for is your good cooking, right? Yeah, <laughs> yes. I know. You're right. Good cook. Good cook. Yeah. Always. <laughs> I wish I was there. <laughs> well, we're gonna go. We're gonna go. Go ahead. What do you wanna say? Who me? You think I'm going to go in Italy next year with my daughter? Next year, yes, next year. If not in 2021, then 2022. Right. Yeah. She needs Valentine's. She needs to be the right place with the right person on Valentine's. So make sure she's outside with a rose somewhere, a beautiful rose outside at the sunset. <laughs> and we'll see what she does. She's got to put her mindset on meeting somebody. So we'll give That's her a right. deadline, Maria. How's that? Beautiful. <laughs> she can hold a, a beautiful rose outside Sunset, New York, and just see where it leads to her her wishes and her desires on Valentine's Day, because that's the day of love. 
and she'll be thinking, surely I'll meet somebody before then. <laughs> I know. So, Catherine, you've got you've got a, got something to make Maria and us proud about that you can fulfill a mission. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. You think about yeah. that. Start manifesting that thought. That'll help you, because by then surely you'll be with somebody. Okay. Okay. Yes. And I'll, I'll Some somebody you love. Somebody that you yeah. know. Just think about it. Say surely, and tell yourself at night. Envision. I envisioned my husband. So oh, wow. you envision yours. Yeah, you can do it. You can dream them up, manifest them in your mind, see them. Just oh, think about it and dream about it. You got to think about it. You got to, you know, to think is to create, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, Catherine, so, you're so that, sweet. Thank you for calling us. Thank you both so much. Thank you. Thank you very much. Okay, well, keep listening. Yeah, stay tuned. All right, thank you, ladies. Very sweet. Okay, let's see. 530, hi. Where are you calling from? And what's your name? 530. Can you hear me? Oh, maybe they're just. 530. Let me see. 530, area Hi. Hey. Hey, who's this? This is Sherry in California. Oh, Sherry. What's going on today? That's a 530. California code. What part of California? That must be, that's not where you are, because is that uh, Sacramento area, right? North of there. Yeah, I don't get many calls. Yeah, it's good to talk Hmm. to other California people. Oh, thanks. Sherry, what's going on today? Well, I am impatiently trying to manifest a move, and I I feel like it should happen in September. And I just wanted to know if you saw that happening, and will it turn out to be a good move for me, like the beginning of the next phase? That's what I kind of feel like is what's coming, but... Okay. So I'm going to talk to you for a few seconds to make sure I'm tuned into the right energy with the right... um, with the right person, and, and let's work from that point. That so, sounds good. Okay, so first of all, um, last year and the year before were a lot of unexpected losses. So it wasn't yeah. like, it wasn't like um, you knew like a job was going to end or you were going to get retirement or you were going to be replaced. It was like unexpected things happened. And it wasn't that it was necessarily bad. It was just unexpected and if there's one thing you don't like, it's that you don't like things that are unexpected. Okay? Right. So you kind of have, like, um, I mean, like, I have a, a fear of dying in the snow, so I hate going to the snow. And you have a fear of being around controlling people. Um, put you in a, a room or a situation with somebody who's controlling, it brings up a lot of fear for you. So I think that your move should have taken place in May. And that's my first question to you. Did you think about first accepting an opportunity to move in May? Um, no, because nothing was... Well, no, I wanted to, but nothing had opened. Oh, I see. Okay, so that's where I get that. Are you in the nursing... In are you in the, in the caregiving uh, 
for some reason I'm getting Naperville in Michigan, but it's like you move around. Are you a caregiver? No, no. Uh, I don't know why I'm getting Naperville. What does Naperville mean? I'm not sure. Is that near me? I think that's south. Nevada? Uh, I don't know. I'm, Let me see where Naperville yeah, is. In, care, in caregiving. It's but in what Illinois. Is it? Oh, really? So Michigan, Illinois. That's what I'm getting, a flow switch. Flow switch. That's just energy. So yeah. I don't know why that is. It's uh, So if you're not moving around a lot, and uh, why... I don't know, but Suzanne, uh, I'm sorry to, I'm sorry I shouldn't have butted in. No, no, but that no, was, you can butt in. It, it had something to do with, with work and land conservation, but I felt like she was supposed to move, but it was, I guess, Naperville in Michigan. That's, but are you thinking you're moving to Nevada? No, just no. You're not north moving. here in the hills, she, hill country. Oh, Lord. Lord. She just wants to move a short distance away because she doesn't like the area she's living in because the area she's living in has a lot it of conflicts in it. Sacramento is hard to make money in, too, isn't it? And it's expensive. So I'm going to yeah. stay up yeah. here. Oh, you're going to go up north, like towards Oregon, then. Okay. Well, I don't know why I had that land switch, but that's just me, Naperville in Michigan. But maybe that's the next call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'll so, shut up. I'll go off. No, no, it's okay. It's okay. So, Sherry, I think that you have, I think you have to take, and you have to think about something that you would normally not consider. When you sit down and you read the ads for opportunities to relocate, you could get yourself relocated um, the middle of September, but I really think that you need two weeks of just really fine-tuning where you want to live and what you want. So you have an area you want to move into. And a place. Yeah, you you have an area and you have a place and everything else. So I'm just going to tell you, think about the frequency of the move, of not being on the frequency that you have mapped it out on, but as a validation of that being the right place for you. So there's manifestation that occurs in the spiritual world, and then it occurs in the physical world. And so the manifestation has to first occur with you being in sync and the vibratory match, and then the next piece has to happen in the process of validation. The physical validation is the reality. So I see it happening, but you're somehow or another you're missing a piece. You're not meeting the vibration at the right level. Okay? And that's, I hope that's helpful. Is that helpful for you? A little bit, yes. It makes sense. Okay. Are you a heavy smoker? No, um, I mm, don't smoke cigarettes. Oh, you don't? But did no. you smoke cigarettes? A long time ago. I quit in 08. Congratulations. Congratulations. It's Thank so you. funny because I think that um, you feel really stressed right now and you think you need to make a move, and I agree with you, you do. But I tell you, if you fine-tune your thinking... Um, 15 days from today, you'll be all set, and it will have unfolded. You'll have your date as to when you move in. Nice. Okay? That's amazing. Does it turn out to be a good move for me, like a fresh start? Yeah, Yeah, it is. It really is. Yeah. So just remember what you do with people that are controlling and bossy. Turn (laughs) your back on them, and you walk the other direction. 
Right. Don't talk to them. Don't negotiate with them. Try and, don't try and explain anything to them. Just walk away. Right. I think it's funny, I think it's funny that um, Teresa picked up on Napperville because I think you end up you end up vacationing in Napa Valley. Ah. So Napa Valley, not Naperville. But the uh, senior care, they're so cheap over there uh, in Naperville, you know, compared uh, to the rest of the world. So it's very good place uh, if you, you know, just keep it in mind. I don't know why. Uh, I personally have lived in Chicago, but I would never think to tell somebody that that was picking that up out of the cosmos in 2020 uh-huh. but you never know so right. who knows but they have a good fixed income level of uh, living uh, I don't know I guess you'd have to take a train over there or something I don't know I don't understand but maybe she's right maybe it's not, not what do you say see I went up and down California too but there's that Napa Valley that you think Napa is Valley. the Naperville Napa, Napa, Napa Valley, Valley. that's Wine country, isn't it? Yeah. It's a beautiful spot to vacation. It's just beautiful. Huh. So. All right. Yeah. All right. Well, apparently, but she was wanting to know September. So, if if an opening would come up in September, she was hoping. Well, so. I'm waiting for the lady that lives there to move. She has dementia, and so mm-hmm. they're having oh. difficulties placing her. And you know, but COVID. You know, everything's kind of, we're all stacked. They're waiting for somebody to move. I'm waiting for them to move. And the people that are on the property now are waiting for me to get out. They want me to get right. gone. So, so <laughs> oh. Wow, yeah, it is like a train. <laughs> yes, it is. One behind the other waiting to move it. <laughs> yeah, like, good Lord, what's going placement. on around this place? Just see perfect placement and just see it going forward. Right. Okay? Don't I get will. caught up in the other thoughts, because that's just too much. Right. Okay. Yeah, you can Well, let's hope for September that. then. You know, yeah. uh, we're all hoping things are looking better. Actually, the energy is finally starting to move all over. If you'll notice, you know, a lot of the teams and things are starting to, it's just starting to move really slow, that train you're on. So, it's moving. It's starting to pull out of the, you know, I guess out of the station. So <laughs> yeah. for all of us, but you can see it if you start watching. So it'll slow out September. So you know how they're going to hold everything up because of elections. So, but we'll we'll start moving there. You know, so hopefully people will start moving. So you're hoping September. Well, well, we'll hope with you there. So good right. luck on that. Let us know how it turns out, okay? Will do. Yeah, thank All you, right. Sherry, for calling. Have a good Thanks. day. Thank you both. Thank Bye-bye. you. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Hey, TJ, that was pretty good. Interesting. No, huh? I don't. I wondered why that came up for me, which uh, I don't know. You never know. Maybe maybe a Napier, Napa. All right. Well, let's see. This uh, person's been on here on on Skype. Are you still there? Yes, I am. Hey. Did you want? Hi. This is TJ and Suzanne. What's up for you tonight? You've been with us all night. Thought I'd give you. 
see what's up for you. Yes, I talked to you. How are you ladies doing, first of all? Good. Tell me Well, Suzanne's. This is Terry. I talked to you guys about two months ago. About okay. a month ago. A month and a half ago. Okay. Now, back, yeah, it was actually back in July. Okay. There was a, a legal matter you told me not to let go. So mm-hmm. in the process, I finished the uh, finishing touches. So, and you told me something about Mercury retrograde. But during the time mm-hmm. when we talked about it, I couldn't do anything because of the COVID crisis. And, you know, due to offices uh, being closed and people are working from home, so I had to wait. So now things are starting to open back up again. So I'm just trying to see, would September be a good month, or should I just wait until the second week of October? Second week of October is your opening. So That's what I thought. Okay. Okay. Good for you. Good. Ah, okay. Have to do a private. You guys are number one. So um, I'm kind of I'm happy about it. At first, I didn't think any. I'm putting everything together to make it presentable, and I did all the work myself. So the second week of October, that's good. Okay. Yay. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> September is a difficult month this year. So in September, <clears throat> September we hope to achieve um, partial resolution. So. I don't think the last caller who called, I don't think she actually moves in September, but she gets her date of when she's going to move in September. So she wants to move, and so the first part of it has to be that she has to get her date, and so she gets her date. So it's kind of like slow progress. But you said the two dates, and I tell you, once we get to October, things are much better for everybody. Thank you. So definitely October, but not November. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, October. I think October is better. Yeah, that's what. Yeah. Yeah. October. I don't know why I keep getting Naperville. All right. All it's right. Well, let's see if somebody will call us from Naperville or something. I don't know. Oh, uh, let's see. Too. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. All right. Uh, two three. You're not calling from Naperville, are you? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not. That's Darn okay. It. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Where are you, you calling from and what's your name? <laughs> <laughs> My name is Victoria and I'm calling from Connecticut. Okay. Oh. Have we talked to you before? Connecticut. Uh no, I don't think we have. Okay. Say your name again for me slowly. Victoria. Okay. Victoria with a V? Yes. Ooh, I love that name, Victoria. I always wanted that name. I never got it. So, I don't know, Royal or something. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, Suzanne's willing to help people out tonight. So, uh, go ahead, Suzanne. Let's see what you got here. And so, I, I really like the fact that you're some. No, uh, I'll let you ask the question after I give my initial reading to make sure I'm okay. in tune with you, vibratory, and then okay. uh, and then we just sort of move forward. So you've had an extremely um, hard life, but not in a way that most people would understand. It always seems as if the rules and the regulations that you're asked to comply with always have something extra. You know, other people go into the DMV and they apply for their driver's license. You go into the DMV and apply for your driver's license, and um, somehow or another that, that form gets mixed up and you have to do it again. 
So your story is that nobody would really understand that your life is always has an added difficulty in complying with rules and regulations. Hmm. No. Um well, I don't know about with complying with rules and regulations, but Yeah, that that part doesn't really resonate with me, but like is your life, I mean, I don't Is your life been Sorry, hard? go ahead. Um, I overall have a very good life. Um, I think that for for me, the part that's been difficult is my love life. Mhm. But overall, generally speaking, I it's not been something like oh my gosh, like terrible, like worst thing. I mean, just kind of normal difficulties. So it's kind of odd because I'm trying to figure out what I'm picking up on because that was the first impression I had is is that if I was an outsider and I was looking at your life, I'd think oh your life is really very nice, but it just seems as if mm. that that peace where, you know, the expectation of being able to find somebody, meet them, marry them, have a family, have a home, have children, almost as if that sort of required piece has never really shown up in your life. Do you have a brother? Uh, No, I don't. I have a brother-in-law. A brother-in-law. But you don't spend any time with him, right? Um, he's around it, our family quite a bit. I don't know. I'm getting some kind of interference, uh, Suzanne, but it's some man, and it's real close to her. But I'm getting this really creepy vibe. So uh, I didn't pull my cards out, and I don't do readings like Suzanne. She does tonal qualities. She's really you know, good at that. I have to see cards. But I'll have to pull the cards on you. But I'll de- uh, I'll go get them. Uh, Suzanne, go ahead and see what you can help her with. But there's some creepy okay. dude around her. Uh, yeah, I mean, I've funny. got the creeps. I've got the chills. So what is that? Yeah. Is it an archon? I, I, Sounds like Halloween. <laughs> All right. So you're not telling us the whole story. Yeah, Victoria. You don't. Kind of you don't have anybody stalking you, right? I hope not. Um, <laughs> I, not that, well, I don't not ever that get I, creepy feelings. Not. I don't ever get creepy feelings. I'm a real positive person. Maybe I'm just off tonight. I don't know. All right. Well, go ahead, Suzanne. Let me. I'm going to go on mute and get. I'm going to okay. get the cards because I've got a creepy feeling. But you know what I'm talking about, Suzanne? The chills. You know, yeah. it's like my primitive. Uh, what is that? Is it a buzz in her system, or is it the phone, or you think? I just got it. Like she had this dominant brother. All right, well I'm gonna mute. I'm gonna go get my cards. I'll be right back. Okay, so tell me the last. Tell me what the weather's like in your area, or the last great meal that you ate. I'm just gonna see what happens in the reading, because there's times when I just don't match up with people's vibration. It happens. So just tell me the last great meal you ate, or the weather in your area. Um, it was really cool and sunny day today, like 75 degrees, breezy. Hmm. Okay, so here's my impression of you. My impression of you is is that 
you you actually really believe that if you take and you do your life right, that it turns out right. And somehow or another, there's a piece of your story that doesn't fit. And so I start out with saying that, you know, when you follow the rules and regulations and you go and you do something, it doesn't turn out right. But really what it is is the fact that you have a really um, – you do have a great life. You have a great life, but you want a love relationship. And that's your question is is that, you know, do I find romance? And so how old are you? 30. 30. That's fabulous. Oh, my God. So <laughs> it is. It's fabulous. Oh, my God. 30. It's great. <laughs> great age. So you have a great life. You know what you like to do in your work. You're loved by your family. Mm-hmm. But mm-hmm. you're your disconnect is, is that you haven't found somebody to form a relationship with. So I do see you forming that relationship, having the home, the family, the marriage, and, you know, the coupledom. So um, somehow or another, you're going to have to change how you think about it because you're thinking about it in a way that is not your thinking, but what somebody told you how to think about it, whether it was your parents or a girlfriend or mm-hmm. something. You have to change your mm-hmm. thinking about it and think about it differently, mm-hmm. and then it shows up for you. But I guess mm-hmm. the good news for my position is, is that you do get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes sense, actually. It's always like, you know, hearing <clears throat> what other people have to say about what it should look like and almost like this vision of, like, it should be perfect and all that kind of thing. So that makes mm-hmm. sense for sure. Oh, good. Um, so he doesn't have to be perfect. He only has to be perfect for you. Right, right, right. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. Um, and I actually wanted to ask you specifically about someone I met recently. Okay. Um, I, don't do, I don't do predictions on relationships that are fewer than 90 days, but let's see what happens when you talk about it. Okay. Um, so his name is Rob. And I met him back in June. Um, so we've gone out a couple times. And so I think he's I think he's really, really great. Um, and I'm just, I feel like we align on a lot of different things in our life, like values and um, just where we're at in our career and just um, personality-wise, and so I'm just, I'm very kind of interested to see where things could go with him, so I was just kind of curious to see if you saw anything. How did you meet him? On a dating app. Hmm. So I want you to meet him in person two more times, and then I want you to take and sort of, you know, look at it. So there's mm-hmm. some part of his story that he hasn't told you. I don't know what it is, but there's some part of his mm-hmm. story he hasn't told you. So, um, and everybody's allowed to make mistakes, right? Right. So, but there's a part of his story he hasn't told you. So I want you to meet him in person twice more before you, you know, he texts you, he calls you. And he's available for you, So, and you enjoy his conversation. He's very much your intellectual equal, but I want him to tell you about his past. Mm. Yeah, he started to um, 
get vulnerable with me, which which I like. I like that he, you know, he can start to show that so early on. But mm-hmm. um, you're right. Maybe there is more, um, and maybe he's like a little nervous to show me that. Mm-hmm. But um, it's not like I think there's anything bad about him. Let me be clear with you. There's nothing that mm-hmm. I think is wrong with him. I just want you to know more about him and meet him in person before mm-hmm. you go forward. You have you have what I call um, beautiful paper. You have beautiful, everything about you looks so beautiful on paper. You're flawless. You're a catch and a half. So, but you have listened too long to too many people that want to instruct you on how to do things. Mm-hmm. And you need your own energy and your own momentum to decide what's good for you. And this is the mm-hmm. problem, which is mm-hmm. kind of, I've never told somebody this. I've never said, you know, I did tell one person, I said, quit introducing your boyfriends to your mother, for goodness sake. So, <laughs> um, but in this situation, um, you need, you're a very private person in a way that most people don't understand. So you need Mm -hmm. to build a relationship without anybody's input for a period of time. And then after the relationship is built and you feel secure, then it's okay to include this other person in the conversation. But until you get to the point of stability, you really need to have that time alone with that person. Yeah, oh my gosh, that's 100%. I agree. You're right. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Oh, you're really sweet. (laughs) Is TJ back with us, TJ? I don't think I think she went to look for her yeah, cards. And she I'm back. Oh, there yeah, I'm back. Oh, yeah. There you are. Okay, yeah. Good. I'll just do something on uh, on your love life, if that's okay, since that's sort of sure. the big thing on your mind, right? It's not money. It's not yeah. family. It's not moving. Right. Yeah, I hadn't planned on doing a reading tonight, but my cat's all rambunctious, and if he won't, if he'll stay off my cards, let me. Go away, cat. It's a little bitty. It's a little bitty cat. I'm taking an interest in it and kept it from dying. But let me see what the cards, the universe, because I'm not very good without them. And I get some. I don't ever get the creeps, but I don't know. There was something you were hinting at. It's a subconscious thing because it's definitely not conscious, whatever it is. But let me look at what the cards are saying. A lot of past strife. Father figure looking overseas for a gentleman, because we're just asking about love. Uh, Present Mm -hmm. change, no doubt. Uh, You can't see, you've got a blindfold on, climbing a mountain. But it's all about money. All her eights are up, Suzanne. So, uh, Mm. but let me look at the future. Night and coming, she's made it. She's got. Oh my God, she's, you're right, she's doing really well. So this gentleman, uh, he may, you may see him as your equal, but you need to Mm -hmm. make sure that you consult your higher self because uh, you look pretty well solid and he may be the one that's not as solid as you are. So you, in other words, you would be the one that would be set, you may want to settle down and he may not want to yet, but... It shows that you're looking for a gentleman with money on the, for your the future. It's the same gentleman, 
But it looks like, well, let's hope he does. He may offer you everything you need because there's only one. I don't see anybody else. And your higher guide is there in your future. But she's uh, in gold, and she's out sitting uh, very beautifully. And this gentleman comes riding up, but uh, her guide wants to be consulted. So listen to your higher self. So that might have been my higher self or my insecurities because I didn't have my cards out because I don't like to read without them. So uh, mm-hmm. universally, I have to have my crutch. But this, uh, it mm-hmm. looks, it as far as the cards go, in your past, it looks like it was all about the money, and then you started questing, and you wanted to change, and it does show a change card, complete change, and then the blindfold on with climbing a mountain with love and abundance, but you were concerned about Now, you finished your education. Are you okay with that? Because in the past life, you were all about education. So you completed as far as you want to go? I'm just asking you personally. Um, yeah, I mean, right now, um, I'm a school psychologist, and I've been working for a couple of years. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, down the road, I might pursue other, other, you know, courses or certificates, but, but that would be down the well, road. Has, but I'm pretty content right. with where I'm at. Well, that's what the cards showed, but I was just checking my reading. Sorry, it's just a thing I do, but uh, it showed that, you know, that was behind you and that as mm-hmm. long as you're okay with that, that you can move yeah, forward absolutely. with your your love life. So uh, it looks really good, but I would strongly suggest you stay up with your higher consciousness and let your always let your conscious be your guide. You know, you listen to your heart, mm-hmm. okay, but yeah, your cards right. look really good. It's the same man, so good luck with him. It looks like he's going to give you what you're looking for as far as the cards are concerned. So I'm happy yeah. with it. I hope you are. <laughs> were you we I can hope. Know, were you were you I don't know if you were on the line when I was talking about it, um but I had met someone recently. So is that the person oh. that you feel yeah, is in the car? Yeah. That's, oh, that's okay. Same, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I so, would it'd have to be the same guy because it's the one and the same. Right. So Right. Yeah, so I would so just, I just really, take your time. Don't rush it, but be sure you're following your heart because you have more than he does. It's hard to explain. you know. So if you are going to be mm-hmm. equals, just make sure tit for tat, so to speak. Check it out before you tie the knot, so to speak, <laughs> long right. term. Right. Give it to at least 2021. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. so what do you Don't rush. suggest in terms of um, – you know, you said how he has more to share with me about his past. Like, how do you think he'll kind of just do that on his own in time? Or how should I kind of, like, approach that? Because I do feel like he's been a little bit more distant lately. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I don't know if it's well, because he started to become vulnerable with me. Right. So I, I think He's in transition like, is what I got, Suzanne. He's in transition, so that's all I'll say about that. So what do you got, Suzanne? I think that he's, um, I think that through the process of of prayer and working with your, you know, asking for information to be revealed, I think it'll come forward. He's gotten to know you, and he's gotten to know that he's interested in you. 
but he also knows that he hasn't told you part of his story. So it mm-hmm. kind of creates it's created a um a stopping point. Right. But mm-hmm. you know, and so I'm not worried about it. But mm-hmm. I do think that you do need to take and just, you know, ask, you know, illumination, I need the illumination to guide me in this relationship, to take me to the place that I have understanding. And so it's just a, a request for illumination and guidance to take you to the place of knowledge. You really are a knowledge person. <clears throat> hmm So Mm -hmm. it's funny when you first got on the phone, I talked about structure and stability. Well, of course, you are working in a large institution. It really is about, it is about the forms. It is about, you know, the application. You're not handling that, but you're working in an environment where everything is determined by that process. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now I understand what I saw. Now I, now I understand. So, Mm -hmm. so, um, so you just have a lot of difficulty at times with really trusting people around you. And it's not because anything really terrible happened to you, but because you're more empathetic and more aware and other people are, I don't know why, you have this sticker on you that says, give me your advice. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, you don't need any advice. You're fabulous. You're gorgeous. You're talented. You're educated. You're in a profession you love and you're good at. You don't need anybody's advice. You don't need our advice, that's for sure. Okay? <laughs> oh, thank so, you. Take the sticker off. Take that sticker <laughs> off of you. Please. <laughs> Good to check in on the soul level, though. Well, thank you very yeah. much. We hope you come back and enjoy uh, our world and come back and listen anytime. Be a part of our psychic club. Appreciate your thank psychology. You so much. You bet. <laughs> thank you. I appreciate right. it. What, what was your first name? What was your first name, Connecticut, before you go? Victoria. 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 Is, it is Vic with a V? Yeah, there's no C. There's just two T's. Oh, that's what I thought it was. Oh, Victoria. I was wondering. So it's Victoria. Like, it's, like, it's Italian yep. for life vitality. There you go. Oh. Yep, yeah. That's okay. Yeah. All yep, right. Yep. Thank you so much, Victoria. <laughs> That'll be easy to remember. All right. Love and light. Victoria, dude. have a great day. All right. Thank you. Yeah, Thank we you just so have one seven one four. We just have one seven one four, but we're off the air. So seven one four. Did you have a question for Suzanne? Because we're California. Hi, Suzanne. Hi, Rich. Hi, Hi Rich. Do you have a question for your wife? <laughs> no, he doesn't. Dinner's coming soon. <laughs> Does he want we're to know what? Right? We're off the air. Well, right? we're still on the air. We're still recording, so be careful. But uh, what would you like to know? <laughs> what do you want? What do you want me to get at the market? Oh dear, I got to go to the grocery store first. Okay, good. Well, oh, he wants you to go to the market. All right. Yeah. This is a Rich, but Rich, give everybody, you do all kind of beautiful artwork. He does this new G. Clay. We're so excited. He's got the greatest price in town on the best artwork in Santa Monica. Are you in Santa Monica or where are you? Data Santa Point, Monica. Data Point, California. Data Point. Data Point is that California. near Santa Monica? <laughs> I lived well, in Santa Monica I'm, for years. What's wrong with my my compass tonight? Oregon, or no. what was it? Northern California versus Michigan, Naperville, Illinois. Saying so y'all are in Data Point, which I should know by now. Data is it D A T A? Data? Data? 
What's that? Dana. How do you Dana spell Paul? it? Dana, D-A-N-A? Yeah. Oh, Dana, not D-A-P-A. Yeah, Dana, like the um, the guy, that's who he did. His name was Richard Dana, and he wrote uh, Three Years Before the Mast. Richard Dana, okay. But Rich Flynn, and he's got to go get some dinner, so he's starving over there in it's late, so it's 8 o'clock. And he's going, where's my dinner? And he's a starving artist, folks. So richflynn.com, this is Rich, does beautiful artwork, get his G-Clays, right? And uh, yeah. we'll, Rich, get with us on ACO Radio Club, and we're going to start working yeah. again. I'm just, yeah, I'm feeling a lot better, so we'll get out there and do Now, next week will be your day, Saturday, right? you got Saturdays to get people, okay. so. Line somebody up, Rich. Uncle Jack, where are you? <laughs> Is Uncle Jack there? All right, right here, right here, sitting here on the on the terrace, enjoying it. Oh yeah. Oh good. good. Watch, watching him painting, actually, he's painting here in the dark. <laughs> oh, we're, we're very entertaining. Well, you'll have to do Saturday with us. You want to do the yeah. Ace Folk Life and help us Saturday? Yeah. Sure, I'm game for I'm game for that sort of thing. Of course, tell your story. Yeah, I tell my story. <laughs> You're not dead yet. I, I can tell. You've got, got more energy than I do. Oh my! You're God. a radio God. voice. Okay, well you're on. Okay. We're going to build you a show next Saturday, Uncle Jack. Okay, send me his bio and his photo. Let's do it okay. right next Saturday. Okay. We're going to do the hey, life DJ. story. Okay. Hey, Love yeah, and light yeah. you sound really good. What a day of work. You've done great. And um, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. True. All right. It's a few right. days out. Okay, bye bye. All right. Uh, bye. Good night. It's Uncle Jack, right? Yeah, Uncle uh, it's Jack. Rich, uh, glad you're glad you're feeling better. Thank you. Well now we can do some shows. We'll get him on next Saturday. Y'all build him up. Send me his photo and his bio. You can just you take a it. selfie if you want. Put him in a, a one with a collar on it. Or he can wear a okay. polo. Who cares? Who cares what <laughs> Uncle Jack's wearing, right? Like yeah, put him in an ascot. Yeah, holding a pipe and looking out the window as an artist, you know, with his, yep. in front of the easel. He's stage it for us, you know. Make us two or three. Make him a male model. Why not? <laughs> Have fun with it. we got a week to play with it, so we got a week to build oh, him up. Okay. All right. Y'all right. come back next Saturday now. But Suzanne, okay, I'll be back think. Thursday. We'll okay, return perfect. Thursday. Thursdays and Sundays. Right. Well, we're going to do Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday. And now I guess since Janet's not going to do Fridays anymore, we're going to have to come up with UFO stuff. So uh, that'll be interesting. All right. So, all right. Well, we'll okay. see y'all uh, Sunday. Next Thursday, then, same time, right? 8 to 10, okay. Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All right. Okay. Love and light, everybody. All right. All right. Good, night. Good night. Good night. Bye. 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 B